This is Lawyer to Lawyer with J. Craig Williams and Robert Ambrogi, two of the top web bloggers in the legal profession. And yes, they are attorneys, one from California and one from Massachusetts, squaring off on legal news and legal observations. Lawyer to Lawyer is sponsored by Law.com, right here on the Legal Talk Network. Welcome to the Legal Talk Network. We're glad you could listen today to Lawyer to Lawyer. I'm Craig Williams from sunny Southern California. And this is Bob Ambrogi from Boston, Massachusetts, where the sun rarely, if ever, shines. Uh, I write a blog called Law Sites and another blog called Media Law and also for Law.com Legal Blog Watch. And I write a blog called May It Please the Court. Today, Bob, we are celebrating our second anniversary on Lawyer to Lawyer. That's right. That that cheering and, and celebrating you hear in the background are here at uh, Lawyer to Lawyer World Headquarters. We've been uh, producing this podcast since August of 2005. We've uh, fortunately had a lot to talk about. The legal news has been filled with events. We've talked about everything from the Supreme Court to global warming to uh, the power of e-discovery and even humor and uh, and cartoons and movies. We've also had a few uh, Christmas holiday and uh, Thanksgiving holiday events, and we've uh, hosted a significant number of very uh, interesting guests. And I would say that uh, today on Lawyer to Lawyer, we're going to reflect back on those last two years, revisit with a returning guest from our very first show, Dean Irwin Chemerinsky, to discuss the big changes going on in his life. And later in the program, we're going to hear from Chancellor Michael Drake on what's new at the UC Irvine Law School and look ahead to a new dean and a new law school in the community. Let's bring our first guest aboard. Uh, Professor, now Dean Erwin Chemerinsky, uh, was in fact uh, a guest on our very first program. He was here back then to talk about the Kello decision. Uh, he's with us now to talk about his new role uh, as uh, uh, Dean to be at the Donald Bren School of Law at UC Irvine starting next year, July 1st, 2008, to be precise. Erwin uh, Chemerinsky is a nationally renowned professor of constitutional law and federal civil procedure at Duke University. Uh, in his new role as dean, he will be responsible for the school's academic and administrative leadership including developing and implementing a scholarly and educational vision that will take the school from startup to top-tier status, managing the school's budget, and cultivating a broad base of private and corporate support for a new building and law library. Welcome back to the program, Dean Chemerinsky. It's great to talk with you. It's hard to believe that it's been two years since we talked for your first program. It has been. And uh, now that we've, before when we first had you on, you were Professor Chemerinsky, and now you're uh, the founding dean of the Donald Brand School of Law. Congratulations, and give us some details. Well, thank you so much. Uh, I don't think anything I've done in my professional life is as exciting or as important as the chance to be the founding dean of a new law school at the University of California at Irvine. This is really a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity has the advantage of being at a terrific university at the University of California at Irvine in a location that I regard as paradise. And so it gives us some real recruiting advantages as we go to build a faculty and strong administrators and attract a great student body. There's a uh, profile of you in the National Law Journal this week that begins with the sentence, Erwin Chemerinsky has a busy year ahead of him. Uh, you don't start work for a year officially, but it sounds like uh, you're not waiting to get started. What What are you up to at this point? Well, it is a busy year. It's been an amazingly busy few weeks. 
since I accepted the position. I am still teaching full-time at Duke Law School. Um, I'm going to meet all of my teaching responsibilities and other university administrative responsibilities. On the other hand, we have to start to build a law school immediately. So my contract doesn't start till July 1st, 2008. Um, I'm spending many hours every day already trying to recruit faculty, to recruit administrators, to get administrative details like getting the building ready for us for next year. And it's all exciting. So I've got to be honest, it, the time feels pretty overwhelming, too. Well, your wife, uh, Catherine Fisk, who's also one of the co-professors at uh, Duke, is also helping you out. What role is she going to play in the new law school? I am thrilled on so many levels that Catherine decided to come be part of the UCI faculty. She had an offer with a chair and a tenured position to return to the University of Southern California and I hope she doesn't mind my saying, because part of our personal discussions, when I was first contacted by UCI, her attitude was, well, if you want to do that, that's great. I'll go back to USC and we'll work out the geography and the logistics. As she saw me get more excited about UCI, as she learned more about UCI, she decided that she wanted to come be one of the founding faculty. She's, and I'm biased to her, of course, but a nationally recognized expert in labor and employment law. She holds an endowed chair at Duke Law School. She's a Douglas Maggs Professor of Law. And I think it's a great coup for us to have her as one of the founding faculty. Uh, Erwin, as, as we know, there was certainly some, some controversy surrounding your appointment, then unappointment, then reappointment, I guess, as dean. And uh, perhaps one of the legacies of that is, is that there continues to be some debate about whether your uh, uh, your political leanings uh, will in some way uh, affect your ability to function as dean. Uh, what what do you say about that? I don't think that my political views will interfere in any way with my ability to succeed as dean. Um, when I go out to donors, when I recruit prospective faculty, I'm not speaking as a liberal I'm speaking of somebody who has a dream and a vision for a great law school. And my hope is that faculty members of all political views are going to want to come be part of building a law school. My hope is that donors of all political views are going to want to invest in our shared dream of a law school. And I'm not building a liberal law school, and I don't think a conservative law professor would be saying they're building a conservative law school. I want a law school where all views are expressed and all are discussed and debated. And that's what people are going to invest in. They're not investing in Irwin Chemerinsky. They're investing in the Donald Brent School of Law at the University of California at Irvine. Well, on Saturday night, uh, you attended the UCI Medals Program and were announced as the new dean, along with a number of, of new deans that were uh, developed now at the school, which has about 26,000 students. Uh, I attended that and, and saw you there and also saw a significant number of uh, conservative members of our community. And I think my observation is that you and your wife and the whole idea of the new law school is being warmly received by the uh, Orange County community. Do you, do you perceive the same thing? Oh, I did. It was a wonderful event. It was a chance for me to see the integral role that the University of California Irvine plays in the Orange County community. It was a chance for me to see how warmly supported the law school is and how warmly supported I am. So many people came up to me and said they want to be involved with and support the law school. And as you know, these are liberals and conservatives. And as I said a moment ago, what's key is 
we share a common dream to what makes a great law school. And that's what I want the faculty to be part of building. That's what I want the donors to invest in. And I think we're going to be successful in doing that. It, it must be pretty amazing to be able to build a law school from scratch. I, I wonder what you're thinking as you as you look ahead to next year in terms of how this school might be different from other law schools that you've uh, been familiar with or, or alike other schools. Sure. Now, I've got to say, when we talk about building from scratch, there's a sense which it's true, but it's being built on a foundation of enormous hard work by a large number of people over the last decade. This law school didn't just spring up overnight. It was because people at the University of California at Irvine and the business communities in Orange County thought it very important that there be a new public university law school there. Chancellor Drake has been tireless over the last two years in working to making this a reality, and that's the foundation we're building on. I think that there's many things that will make our law school unique and distinctive. I very much wanted to emphasize what I call experiential learning. I want every law student to have to participate in a legal clinic who have a comparable type experience outside the law school. I've always been struck that medical students see and even treat patients whose most law students never see a client. And whatever the law student's going to go and do, I think there's a benefit to having a clinical experience. It doesn't matter to me whether it's a litigation clinic or a transactional clinic, if it's doing law reform, I don't care if it's in the left or the right. It's all about being involved. I also want the law school to be interdisciplinary. UCI has terrific people in its criminology, law, and society department, its economics department, its psychology department, and others doing law-related things. And I want them to become involved in the law school because I think that understanding of law and practice law is very much enriched by this knowledge. UCI's uh, history for its law school goes back into the 1960s when uh, the school was first founded and law, the law school was listed as one of the schools that ultimately would be built. So it's been a long time coming. Did you uh, participate at all with uh, Chancellor Drake as he started to uh, do this, or was it your involvement uh, com- coming on after the school was approved by the regions? My involvement began last March when a member of the Dean's Search Committee called me and said, would you have any interest in being considered, and who else do you think we should consider? And then I began meeting with the Dean's Search Committee, and then ultimately through all of the interview process that went over many days, just over a couple of months. Um, So I was not involved in the initial planning of the school at all. The approval of the regents came this past, first it came last spring, but the final approval came this past summer, so I was not at all part of securing the regent's approval to the law school. The person who deserves credit for that more than any other single individual is Michael Drake. Now, there was a small committee, uh, I think it was called CPEC, that uh, advised the regents against the law school, and ultimately that the regents overruled that report. But their report was basically that we don't need more lawyers, we don't need another law school. Most of the people on that committee are from the community college uh, area, so it's understandable why they'd object to it, but what's your response to uh, more lawyers and another law school? There's not been a public university law school created in California since the University of California at Davis 45 years ago. The last public university law school created in Southern California was UCLA Law School in 1949. 
the percentage of lawyers in California trained by public universities, by the University of California system, has gone down tremendously. There is an enormous unmet demand for legal services in California. And what I said is we have a lot of lawyers, but not nearly enough good lawyers. I truly believe that we're going to be able to do a better job of training lawyers to do business transactions, to do litigation, to be the leaders of the next generation. I'm sure that UCI is going to be working toward uh, the ABA accreditation. Uh, what's your plans with that? And how does that compare to the number of law schools that we have in California that are unaccredited? UCI is going to do everything it can to get accreditation at the earliest possible time. Um, I last week interviewed a candidate to be the assistant dean, and I said, your job is going to be to learn every detail of what we need for accreditation and then just to make sure that we do it. Um, if necessary, we'll hire accreditation experts. But there's nothing more important than that. And frankly, I'm confident, given that this is the University of California, given the resources, given the faculty we're going to be recruiting and the students we're going to get, we will get accredited at each stage at the earliest possible time. I wonder if I could just uh, turn away from the law school for a, a moment. I, I was reading just this morning uh, an essay you wrote as an introduction to a, a, a forum on Justice Clarence Thomas and his views and, and uh, decisions regarding the First Amendment. It, it's at the thefirstamendmentcenter.org, I believe. And uh, you were one of uh, a dozen or, or more uh, scholars and practitioners who wrote about uh, Justice Thomas uh, as he's uh, interpreted free speech issues. I, I wonder uh, what you make as a constitutional scholar of of the current kind of buzz around Justice Thomas and, and whether you've had a chance to, to look at his biography and if you have any thoughts on that. I have not read the biography. I've read reviews and some excerpts from it. I think that it's having the predictable response. I think that those who are fans of Justice Thomas who believe that he was telling the truth relative to Anita Hill, are thrilled to see him express it and express it forcefully. On the other hand, those who disagree with Justice Thomas, those who believe he, he lied during the Senate Judiciary Committee hearings with regard to Anita Hill, believe that he's still lying in this book. I don't think this book is going to change anybody's mind. <laughs> um, I think that's the nature of a very controversial figure and an incident in American history about which there will always be disagreement as to who is telling the truth. Uh, we, we are nearing the end of our time with you, uh, and uh, we just wanted to give you an opportunity to offer any final thoughts on uh, on what the future holds regarding your, your term as, as, as dean of this new law school, and also to let our listeners know uh, how they can find out more about you or get in touch with you if they care to do so. Uh, well, thank you for having me on, and I hope that you'll have me on often, and congratulations on your anniversary. I guess I'd conclude as I began by saying how incredibly excited I am to have the opportunity to be part of building the new law school. It's obviously going to require the effort of a huge team of people. It's taken a team led by Michael Drake to get it to this point. If people want more information, they can look on the web. And the University of California at Irvine website, the law school has its own website now, and they can get a lot of information about it. Um, I can be contacted personally. 
either through the University of California at Irvine or through Duke University. If you go to the Duke Law School website, my contact information is there. Well, perhaps you'll be hearing from some prospective students and some prospective uh, professors as a result of your appearance on our program, but we certainly appreciate you um, taking the time to uh, welcome us and welcome back for our second anniversary. Thank you for participating. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot, Erwin. Bye-bye. Well, next we're going to hear from Chancellor Michael Drake. I had the opportunity to sit down with Chancellor Drake to discuss what's new at UC Irvine. He became the fifth chancellor of the University of California, Irvine, in July of 2005. With me today is Chancellor Michael Drake, his medical doctor. Chancellor Drake became the fifth chancellor of the University of California, Irvine, in July 2005. Under his leadership, UC Irvine has garnered a host of achievements in research, education, and public service. Today, more students are seeking a UCI education than ever before, leading to a record incoming undergraduate class of 6,500 students in the fall of 2006. Welcome to the show, Chancellor Drake. Thank you. Glad to be here. Well, there's been uh, a big $20 million gift for the law school, uh, the new law school at UCI. You've gotten one of the top constitutional scholars named in as the dean of the new law school. What do you do for an encore? Well, we're very, very excited about the support that we've received from the community in addition to the $20 million uh, gift, we had uh, two uh, people who gave million-dollar gifts, and then actually a variety of other entities that uh, provided more than a million dollars more. And so we're starting off with enough funding to really help us uh, bridge that gap between excellent and outstanding, and uh, we appreciate that very much. And, and we're very, very excited about being able to attract Erwin Chemerinsky here. As you mentioned, he's one of the eminent legal scholars and uh, certainly one of a uh, handful of the most prominent constitutional lawyers uh, in the United States today and uh, is an outstanding founding dean, and we're very, very excited about that. What we do for an encore is I think we bring in a class of students that uh, will match this, this great opportunity. It's very, very rare, uh, a kind of a once-in-a-lifetime uh, thing that you get to start uh, a first-class institution at a place like this, to start a new school at a university like ours, and we're really excited about putting together the program and then recruiting those students and, and getting on with it. Now, as I understand it, there's a special pro bono plan for tuition to deal with some of those students. Can you explain that? Well, we have a couple of plans in, in place. One is that the University of California, as a policy, has a very generous uh, return to aid uh, program so that a fraction, significant fraction of the money that we receive from a variety of sources is pumped directly back into student aid. And then what we're doing with uh, much of the money that we've raised privately, the, the major gifts are for uh, endowed professorships and other uh, important parts of the, uh, the uh, structure of the institution, but we have a significant fraction then of the remainder that we will be using to uh, uh, fund scholarships to help make it easier for students who arrive here to be able to concentrate their, their time and attention on studies and uh, not have to worry so much about the financial aspects of things. So we, we hope to be outstanding, and we hope to be a bargain at the beginning. There's also a wonderful opportunity. I think this is the first new uh, public law school formed in California in nearly 50 years, and an opportunity to develop a, a very uh, current and responsive to current needs curriculum. Uh, where do you plan for the curriculum to go? Well, we're uh, the last uh, UC law school was in the late 1960s at UC Davis, and 
the last uh, uh, public law school to open in Southern California was, uh, if, if you can believe it, UCLA in 1949. So at the time that we open our doors, it will be fully 60 years since a public law school has opened in, in Southern California. And there have been a lot of changes in Southern California over the last, last 60 years. What we uh, are focused on are, there are a few things that we're focused on. One is that uh, because this will be uh, a 21st century law school, we wanted to have a 21st century pro- profile, and we think that uh, that the inter- that one of the things that's really important uh, in the development of the school is to really develop it from the beginning as an interdisciplinary, interprofessional school that yes trains people for the traditional uh, jobs that lawyers do, but also has legal scholarship and legal thought involved in multiple aspects of what we're doing on the campus. We believe that people working together um, is better than people working in silos, and so we want this to be an interdisciplinary law school first and and foremost. Second, there are uh, several uh, important emerging markets here in Orange County, and we'd like to be able to uh, uh, tap into those or to work with our community in, in approaching those. Uh, one, there's a, we're very concerned in this developing county with environmental issues. We uh, have lots of approaches to environmental issues from the scientific uh, standpoint on our campus with our earth system science and other things, but uh, we believe that environmental law will be a really important part of what we do. We also in Orange County are the center of medical device development really for the United States. We have over 300 medical device companies and many other companies that are growing and producing uh, wonderful products. And we believe that things like uh, patent law and other law that that deals with emerging markets and uh, the developing global markets will be something that will be important for us to focus on. Uh, We're very interested in our relationship with the business community and training people who will be lawyers, yes, but also leaders in business and other things that happen broadly in the community. So along with patent law, business law generally will be something that we want to focus on. And then finally, uh, um, my whole career I've been very focused on the needs of underserved and underrepresented populations, and uh, we want to make sure that we have a significant focus and impact on uh, legal issues that face vulnerable people and vulnerable populations in our community and, and more broadly. So we uh, will have that as a, a major initial focus as well. And it's been some time, I think nearly 20 years in the making, that UCI has been working to get a law school, and you successfully maneuvered uh, the approval process through the regions. Uh, how did you get the new law school approved, especially when there are a lot of questions about why a new law school? Well, the initial uh, plans for the school were actually uh, drawn by uh, Clark Kerr in 1965, so at the time of the founding of the school, so it really had been a 40-year dream uh, that had come forward in various iterations uh, uh, prior to my arrival, but the, the timing and the, the focus and the thrust never quite uh, matched up with the uh, political will uh, uh, and planning process to uh, make it a reality. Really what happened in this case was that the, the regents were, were thinking about the future, and I think the, the foresight and the wisdom of our regents, their interest in what's good for the people of California and for our region, as well as what's good for the University of California, uh, led to their support, which we really appreciate. And there was a move for a period of time to get the California local California Court of Appeal to locate on campus, which apparently they just built a new building in Santa Ana. Uh, what are the plans for the law school and judiciary involvement? Well, yeah, that all was a little bit before I was here. I know that there, there are many people who had strong 
um, um, carefully thought out uh, opinions on both sides of that, and uh, I congratulate the court of having it. They're nice in the building. We, because we are the first public law school in this region, um, and the first one in Southern California for 60 years, we think we have a great opportunity to work with uh, the lo- local governments and the judiciary on both education for our students and opportunities for them to work uh, with um, with uh, judges and others in helping their education to be outstanding, but also a chance to have our faculty uh, work in areas of scholarship that affect the judiciary. And, uh, and then we'd like to actually produce people who would... Uh, uh, work in different aspects of government service, the judiciary, or in politics or other leadership as, as time goes on. And by working closely with uh, those constituencies as they exist, we hope to be able to do the best possible job of developing people who will be able to join them. And that's, that's a very exciting part of what we're doing. And I know you said that you wanted to bring in a, a stellar crop of students. Uh, what are the plans for the professors and the, the teachers of the school? Well, we uh, to, to have a, a stellar crop of students, we need to have a stellar crop of professors. And one of the things that the very uh, generous uh, uh, founding gift that you mentioned allows us to do is to have um, uh, a 10 to 12 uh, endowed professorships at the very beginning. And so uh, one of the things that makes us so excited about Erwin Chemerinsky is that he's eminently um, um, connected uh, nationally and we will recruit um, um, very actively for the very best legal scholars that we can attract to be among our founding faculty. They really will have a once-in-a-lifetime, as I mentioned earlier, once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to really create programs uh, of the highest caliber. And uh, we are doing this to add quality to our overall enterprise, and so we're going to really look for quality as we recruit that initial group of faculty. Well, with the kind of gifts that you've been getting and the students that you hope to get and the professors that you're bringing in, it certainly means that uh, the ABA is going to be looking at the school uh, in terms of accreditation. How is that process going to work? Well, good. You know, that's why we hire deans and uh, we hire people uh, who can do these things. I know that that's, um, um, the ABA is very careful about its uh, imprimatur and uh, its uh, badge of approval, and so we have begun to talk about that already, and one of the things that we're uh, looking forward to working with Professor now Dean Chemerinsky on, uh, even before his arrival, is putting those uh, processes in place that will lead to accreditation as soon as possible. So the physical plant uh, right now, as I understand, there's a building uh, that is being retrofitted or outfitted for uh, the current for the first class of law school, which I understand will be in the fall of 2009. What are the final or ultimate plans for locating the uh, the law school and building a building? Well, the, yes, we have uh, space on campus to be able to incubate the school and actually to grow the school to roughly full size. And if we were creative we could continue on for um, even longer, perhaps a generation, using existing and new facilities that will be shared among others and the facilities that we have that will be dedicated to the law school. Of course, we'd like to have um, a, a dedicated building for the school, and but we'll first really address the recruiting the most outstanding faculty that we can find. And, and then once we've recruited that outstanding initial faculty, we'll go about the process of getting the very most talented and energetic and bright students that we can find. And after we've gotten the faculty and the students on board, the program is up and running, we'll look toward uh, uh, growth in our facilities over time. That's a 
uh, a goal to think about over these next couple of years, uh, but not. But at the beginning, really, we're more got to be more concerned on the quality of the faculty and um, the quality of the students and. Those are jobs one and two. I had the opportunity on Saturday at the UCI Medals program to speak with uh, Dean Chemerinsky, and he was very adamant that uh, he wanted to get community involvement and input from the local uh, community, local legal community. I understand he's already established an advisory committee. What's your perspective on uh, local community involvement from the legal community? We here at the University of California, Irvine, are absolutely blessed with uh, broad community support. As I mentioned, before the school was even started, we had over $20 million of support from the business and legal community. So people not only support us with um, their good wishes, they support us with their their pocketbooks. And they, they did that because they are as committed as we are to creating an outstanding institution that will benefit the region uh, as well as we hope um, more largely benefit uh, legal education and scholarship nationally. So the community has been uh, wonderfully supportive uh, throughout this entire process. And I think they'll be very, very supportive as we move forward. My my own education uh, in medical school included a lot of time working with uh, physicians and others in the community in various clinical programs. So I'm a believer by experience in the value of working with those people who are actually out there doing it, as well as those people who are part of the um, Scholastic Academy. And if this works as I believe it can, we will have wonderful uh, connections between us here on the campus and our colleagues and supporters and friends in the community. And I think that the advisory board that uh, Dean Chemerinsky has put together, which is in many ways kind of a, uh, a partial at least who's who of people in this community and nationally, is a, a reflection of, of how we plan to have this happen. As I understand, it, there are also several degrees that the law school are going to be offered, not only just the JD, but a couple of other degrees that uh, ultimately will be built in. How is that going to shake out? Well, when I mentioned earlier that we were interested in this being a an interdisciplinary, interprofessional program, I mean that we expect the professors to have as their specialty law and something else, the and will be uh, specific to the individual, but law and political science, as is the case with Professor Char- Dean Chemerinsky. I still call him Professor Chemerinsky because he's actually not on our payroll yet, so, I, so forgive me, but and with with Irwin Chemerinsky. And so that model of law plus some other area of expertise we will have as a, uh, a common model among our uh, initial outstanding faculty. And the students then who we bring in will be people who uh, we expect will be interested in law, but other aspects of law and the implementation of law in society. And so, as is the case already on campus, uh, we, we expect people to get JD degrees, but maybe in some cases JD MBA or JD PhD or a variety of other kinds of degrees that we will offer. And we want to be as flexible as we can with that. And the, I believe the law school plans on offering an LLM, a master's in law, and a JSD, yeah. a, so, a doctor of science. Yes. So all those is what I mean. I, again, we want to be as flexible as we can with the opportunities that students have to come and master the things they need to be able to uh, practice the law at the highest level, but also uh, take advantage of other educational opportunities here on campus to be able to direct their special interests. Well, many of our listeners are lawyers, and many are also law professors and potential students. What should they do if they're interested in becoming a professor or interested in becoming a, a student? Well, I would say that uh, you, you know we have um, <clears throat> the, the professor hiring part will really be something that Dean Chemerinsky directs, and 
um, you know, we are easily contacted by email. We'd love to hear from people and anyone who's uh, an outstanding person who's at the top of his or her field and wants to advance it even further forward is just the kind of person who we'd be looking for. And uh, this is a wonderful place to live and work. And so we were excited about the interest that we found. For students, I think this is going to be uh, an absolutely uh, incredible opportunity because one of the things we say here at the university is that we like to enable, empower, and inspire people to make a difference. And as the member of a founding class of a new law school at a major U.S. university, you really will be creating the future. I mean, the influence that the pioneer students will have on creating and developing a legacy for all those classes that follow will be something that they'll remember all of their lives. And, you know, we, we expect to have something on the order of a dozen or so faculty members. I don't want to get that number right, but in that ballpark, maybe a few more by the time the initial class starts. But the initial class will have probably 60, 65 students in it, and so there'll be a faculty uh, student ratio of one to six. Uh, so the personal attention that our founding classes, the first class and the second class particularly, but our founding classes will have will be unprecedented. And uh, we think this is, uh, this is going to be an amazing experience. What ultimately do you think will be the size of the classes? What we're planning on now is classes of, of, of modest-sized law school classes, about 200 people uh, per class. And we will start with um, a class about a third that size. And then um, as facilities and faculty all um, come on board, advance so that sometime in the middle of the next decade we hope to have our full enrollment, which will be 200 a class times three plus a few more, so just over 600. Great. Well, we've reached that portion of our program, and we've come to the end, so we'd like to invite you to give your final thoughts about the law school and the points, some of the points we've discussed. And also, uh, for those of our listeners who are interested in potentially contacting you, Dean Chemerinsky, or the law school, how they would go about doing that. So if you can give us a little wrap-up and your contact information. Yes. Um, so uh, let me do the latter first, and my contact information is chancellor at uci.edu. And email is the best way uh, to uh, uh, reach me. But a letter can be written to the chancellor or the chancellor's office at the University of California, Irvine, in Irvine, California. And the zip is 92697. I'll just repeat that. It's chancellor at University of California, Irvine, uh, zip code 92697. And then the, the final thought I'd like everyone to have is that we are – absolutely dedicated to uh, opening an outstanding interdisciplinary, interprofessional law school that will prepare new lawyers and, new, and people uh, newly trained in legal scholarship for the challenges of our new century. Wonderful. Well, thank you very much for participating in the program today, Chancellor Jake. We thank you for your time and uh, making special time to do this segment of the program. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. We invite you to visit Law.com for timely legal news and in-depth resources. From daily headlines to practice-specific updates, Law.com provides up-to-date information to those working in the legal profession. As part of its coverage, Law.com is proud that J. Craig Williams' blog, May It Please the Court, and Robert Ambrogi's blog, Law Sites, are part of its blog network. Don't wait any longer. Visit Law.com today and get free subscriptions of our Newswire newsletter with the top legal stories of the day. Or sign up for a free trial subscription to one of our Practice Center sections. 
If you found us in the podcast library of iTunes, thanks for listening. Check out some of our other shows at LegalTalkNetwork.com and become a member. It's free. Lawyer to Lawyer is produced by the Legal Talk Network and a staff of broadcast professionals. If you have an idea for a topic or a show, we want to hear from you. Go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and send us an email. If you have a comment or question, we want to hear from you. Leave us a message on the Legal Talk Network listener line at 781-634-8959. We really do listen to the messages and even answer your questions on our next show. Did you know that Legal Talk Network podcasts are also available as CLE? Visit Law.com's CLE Center at www.clecenter.com. That's CLECenter.com to enjoy listening and get CLE credit. Check out our Lawyer to Lawyer host blogs, J. Craig Williams' blog at mayhavepleasethecourt.com, likewise Robert Ambrogi's blog at LegalLine.com for daily legal observations, perspective, and, of course, a healthy dose of humor and wit. A video settlement documentary can be the most powerful and persuasive way to bring about a speedy settlement in your client's case. The Boston Media Group has a staff of television professionals with 20 years' experience writing and producing compelling stories just like the ones you've seen on 60 Minutes or Dateline. We put a human face on the lawsuit with compelling interviews, dramatizations, and visual presentations of the fact. Think of it as a video opening argument that will compel the attorneys on the other side to settle. Call us for a consult at 800-317-5221. That's 800-317-5221. Or check out our website at bostonmediagroup.com. Welcome back to Lawyer to Lawyer on the Legal Talk Network. I'm Craig Williams. And this is Bob Ambrogi. We're uh, having a little celebration today for the second anniversary of Legal Talk Network. Network's podcast, Lawyer to Lawyer. We started out two years ago as Coast to Coast uh, and then changed our name to Lawyer to Lawyer in part to reflect the fact that our our audience uh, began to extend well beyond the two coasts of the United States and and really throughout the world. And and also in part due to a cease and desist letter we got from (laughs) George Nori at uh, the Paranormal UFO channel on the AM radio that uh, thought that we were impringing on his... uh, Supposed copyright for his program, copy to, to coast to coast. Well, that's true. I didn't want to con- admit that we bowed to a cease and desist order. Well, I don't know that we bowed to it as much as we thought we wanted to expand our name and improve on it. So I think it was a good opportunity for a transition. Bob, what was your, in the last two years, what was your favorite show? Uh, my favorite show. I, you know, I don't know that I had a favorite show. Uh, they've all been so different and so interesting. Uh, I think one of the more uh, interesting, you know, probably uh, in, in some way, I, I keep looking back on that first show that we were just talking about with Professor Chemerinsky, and we had uh, ABA then president, then, then uh, new president uh, Mike Greco on as a guest, and uh, it really kind of kicked off a, a series of, of programs that uh, each one has been to me interesting and, and different, and uh, it's been a lot of fun the whole time. How about you? You have a favorite? I don't know that I have a favorite. I, I really enjoyed the program where we had the United Nations Council on talking about her coverage of war crimes in Africa and the involvement of uh, groups like uh, Lawyers Without Borders. 
The thing that has surprised me most about Lawyer to Lawyer in the program as a whole is the reach that the program has. I mean, we, Kate, uh, Kenny, and our team of producers at the Legal Talk Network, which, by the way, deserve all the credit for the program, because as we briefly talked about before the show, Bob, you and I, uh, come on, we, we take the script that Kate prepares and the guests that Kate arranges and with some suggestions from us, but... She and Mike and Lou and Scott have just done a fantastic job for us over the two years, and they're the ones that deserve the um, the accolades for all of the work that they've done to get this program to where it is. Well, that's right. They they really do all the work, and it's something I'm asked a lot when I do seminars or, or meet with groups is, uh, should I do it myself if I want to have a podcast, or should I work with somebody else? And I'll often say there's really no substitute for, for working with a professional organization that knows what they're doing. Uh, the people we work with uh, came out of uh, television broadcast backgrounds and uh, uh, are fully, you know, they have a professional studio and they know what they're doing. Uh, and, you know, you, you read my mind a little bit in your initial comment there because one of the uh, high points for me of this program has been just kind of discovering the audience that we're reaching. We, we did a analysis uh, uh, almost a year ago in which we kind of looked at the IP addresses of people who are listening to this program. And, and uh, if you'll recall, that map showed that we have listeners all over the world. And uh, that's pretty interesting. And we also have guests from all over the world. The surprising thing to me is we've had guests from China, from Hong Kong. We've had guests from France and Germany. Uh, a significant reach, including one of our last shows from London. Uh, the program has gone far beyond the borders of uh, the United States, and rightfully so that we changed the name from coast to coast to lawyer to lawyer, because it does reflect not only our listeners, who, as you mentioned, are from all over the world. We've got listeners from Australia, New Zealand, and Russia, and Eastern European countries, as well as Asian countries. Um, but it, it's been uh, surprising so much so that the guests have come from all over the world. And, of course, it's been a real pleasure for me to do this with you, Greg, and get to know you and get to talk to you every week. And uh, that's been uh, – and even and even get to meet you a couple times, even though you're way off on the other coast over there. <laughs> it has been a tremendous pleasure, uh, I, you know, to be able to come to Boston and meet the production team and also to meet with you and get to know you better and read your stellar writing on the three blogs that you write. <laughs> Uh, it's always been a pleasure. The thing that I do have to compliment you on, and I think you do just a, a fantastic job, is to listen to the questions that you ask on the program because they're always so journalistic in the sense. I always have this mind, when I hear you ask a question, I get the the image of an editor in a newsroom talking to uh, his or her uh team of reporters saying, I want you to find out this and find out that and ask this question because this is important. And it seems to me your questions are so insightful and I've, I've learned from them and enjoyed listening to them as uh, and getting the responses from the guests. Gee, I'm going to cut out that clip and put it up on my website. Uh, <laughs> I, I feel the same way about you and I think you're, uh, the fact that you had a broadcast background before you went into law or years ago uh, reflects in, in your show. So we should break out the champagne and uh, toast to many more years and possibly even uh, adding in a video component at some point, as you've long wanted to do. I think that would be great. But I think the real uh, champagne popping and, the, and uh, congratulations go to the support team that our listeners never get to hear 
uh, although they talk in our ears frequently during the program on our headphones, uh, Kate Kenny and Mike and Luann Reeb and Scott Hess from the Legal Talk Network, they're the ones that uh, make the whole program possible, and we owe them uh, a debt of thanks. Well, and plus, if there's anybody who's just listening to Lawyer to Lawyer and hasn't been to the Legal Talk Network website lately, they ought to get over there and, and see the uh, array of podcasts and audio programming being offered there. Uh, there's a new uh, regular prod- podcast on e-discovery issues, and there's some old standards. And, and something that I found just fascinating was was their series of interviews with F. Lee Bailey uh, that uh, I, I listened to from start to finish with great fascination. So good stuff well, there. And beyond the fact that they do all of the audio podcasts, the uh, Legal Talk Network produces videos for lawyers uh, to use in trials and depositions and uh, settlement discussions. And they do a fantastic job with it, given their uh, television background. The production quality is much higher than you would see from some of the uh, ones that that lawyers may typically use. And uh, they travel across the country to do these, and they do a great job. And every one of our two years' worth of uh, Lawyer to Lawyer are there to be listened to. Great. And you can also get uh, Lawyer to Lawyer on the CLE pro side of Law.com. Some of our programs are offered as continuing legal education credits. And uh, on the Law.com website, you can find out, uh, listen to our programs, and get CLE credit as well as um, learning something. Well, I think that about says it all. Uh, I really do. I, I, you know, I agree with you that uh, the folks at the Legal Talk Network have been great. Kate, Mike, Lou, Scott, all of them, thank you. And thank you, Craig, for two very fun years. It has been great, Bob. Thank you. Look forward to talking to you again next week and over the next two years. Same here. Thanks for listening to Lawyer to Lawyer with Robert Ambrogi and Jake Craig Williams. We hope you'll listen again and check out our other shows on the Legal Talk Network. Lawyer to Lawyer has been sponsored by Law.com. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.